Well, welcome uh, again to our service. Um, my name is Colin, as, uh, as I said at the start, but um, we're moving through our series in Acts, and I found that actually, as we go through, we're getting uh, some uh, very short snapshots of, of verses that we're going through at the moment. Uh, and that is uh, sometimes hard because I, I want to do, you know, you kind of want to get into lots and lots of verses, but actually I've been finding just by uh, sticking with um, just small sections and then really, really pushing yourself to look into the word, what these words mean. Um, they, can un they, can, they can reveal such depth when we've probably just overlooked them. Uh, and so today we look at Acts 3 verses 1 to 10. And today we look at the healing of the lame beggar at the temple gate. Uh, and in preparing for this sermon, just in these uh, 10 verses alone, I, can, uh, I found incredible detail and revelation in the purpose of this particular uh, event, as it were, or this account. Um, what we will see is that it involved genuine biblical faith. Um, there was nothing special about the lame man, not about Peter or John. Um, the lame man wasn't chosen by Peter or John to demonstrate God's power um, uh, at their whim or command. It wasn't just something they were using to show off, maybe as it were, as we, uh, we might get today, where it's all about the glitz of healing, as it were. And this is not what, what healing is about. Healing is about the, the glory to God, not the glory of man. And so... Uh, what we're not seeing is Peter and John's uh, decision or choice, as it were. Uh, we're seeing a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they chose to follow the prompting, but it is still a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this man, it's a man responding to God's word uh, and will, and only possible because of the power in the name of Jesus, as we'll learn. It is a demonstration of believing God at his word receiving and understanding God's will and then taking action on it. Uh, as, uh, as, as I've mentioned many times, not only over these last weeks, but uh, my, maybe part of my own mantra, as it were, uh, is that we, we, being a Christian is not automatic in the sense of you become a Christian and, and then everything's done. We must be taking action on how to live more like Christ, how to, how to keep being more like Christ every day trying to chisel away those things that are not honouring God, that are not serving him. And so what we'll learn this week and, and next week, because this is kind of a two-part in this particular, uh, in, the, in this section, we're probably looking at three parts in Acts 3, um, but certainly this week and next week, what we're learning is that salvation is utterly and completely the work of God. Signs and miracles that we uh, read about are in fact pointers to God's salvation, and power and, and not that signs and miracles are salvation themselves and i'll go into a little bit more detail in that so today i want us to understand uh, three points about the passage um and i've got them here which i'll show you it is um it's called the right time by the way it's acts 3 uh, verses 1 to 10 um and i'll probably put the uh the notes in the wrong the points in the wrong place but anyway so it's three points we're looking at uh, it's purpose, righteousness, and timing. And that's what kind of we're going to look at today. So Acts 3, verse, verses 1 to 10, there's your three points, purpose, righteousness, timing. Um, and here is here are the verses. It goes like this. It says, Acts 3, 1 to 10 says this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Get more into that. 
Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So let's get straight into our first uh, first point that we're looking at today, and that is purpose. What we find here is Peter and John going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Now, even before we go any further at this point, there is something significant about this hour of prayer. You may have read it yourself. It's, of course, um, something that you'll find in many commentaries and uh, um, when you research this um, tradition. Um, but they were still following the Jewish custom of praying at certain times, believe it's three times in a day. Uh, but what is different about this one is that we're only told that Peter and John go to pray uh, at the ninth hour. This hour was the hour that Jesus cried out in Matthew 27, verse 46. Uh, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? According to Jewish uh, reckoning, Jewish um, custom, as it were, the day uh, began at 6 a.m. And so uh, the ninth hour is 3 p.m. So the Jewish prayer time was held in conjunction with the evening sacrifices and offering of incense. Peter and John commonly went to the temple to pray at this hour. And, and probably when you look at the original Greek, when it, uh, again, when we, when we look at more accurate uh, of what it actually said, it's, it's more that they used to go up, as in uh, that they're used to going up to that, to the temple at that time. So it, this wasn't a one-off occasion. This was, this was one of many a times at the same time they would go up again and again, a repeat, and that's a part of a Jewish custom. Um, and so they, so they would do that, and that's probably more accurately the translation we see. But the first part of the purpose uh, for them was to go and pray to God. That was absolutely the first purpose that they would do, and this was... Just This was another visit that they would do. Their, their, their main focus here is go and pray to God. Go and give it to God. And, of course, there is an immediate lesson for us as Christians uh, to, to put prayer to God as a very important part of our day. How we do that um, is, is we do that in different ways, but we certainly spend time with him, uh, praying to him. But now we have an understanding that Peter and John would regularly go up at this time. At the same time, uh, a lame man would be carried to the temple gate and left to beg um, from those that would enter the temple. Uh, the Jewish historian uh, Josephus um, described this gate on the temple mount made of fine Corinthian brass, uh, 70 feet, 75 feet high with huge double doors. Now you can see pictures, I was going to put a picture up, but 
Uh, there's actually some strange confusion when you put that into Google that there's all different gates uh, that people say are the beautiful gates. So um, I'd rather just to show just to you the description uh, of 75 feet high, huge double doors, and, and this sense of it being so beautiful that um, it, it was it, it was incomparable uh, only to it was only comparable to things where um, where you'd have other things of silver and gold or where um, those that were only covered over with silver and gold. So the sense of beauty and, and awe as you approach the, the temple. Um, so you just get this picture uh, of, of, of the approach to the temple. But beggars considered the temple the best site to operate because multiple times a day, as we said in Jewish custom, there'd be people going to prayer uh, and, and sacrifice during, that, during the day. So the other part of this purpose, when we look at that, is that Peter and John would, would meet this lame man. There's a, there's a purpose set out. There's these people, as it says, or, or, or he's put there every day, um, and we don't know who these people are, and yet God is working in this. You know, God is working in the background here to, to kind of keep putting this guy again and again in, in front of the gates um, and, 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 and put him there. So there's, a, there's another purpose being put together by God, as it were, uh, and that they would meet this lame man. And sometimes in what appears to be a strictly ritual, it is at times, I think, purposed by God um, for other means that we're usually unaware of entirely, uh, that we don't know when certain things happen or why. And even even things that we might do religiously, as it were, uh, not all things we should we should dismiss in that sense, because God will use them in some way. Um, but remember, their main focus is to go and pray to God. So it's, it's not just a part of tradition. Uh, they felt that the time related to Jesus' death, as he cried out on the cross, it was all kind of linked together for them, and they would go and pray. So it was with this encounter, uh, so it's the same with this encounter. God is not doing this so that Peter and John would be famous uh, or be local celebrities who perform miracles on tap, but that God would set up an encounter so that uh, Jesus would be glorified in the presence of many people. And I think it's nothing short of grace that God, uh, in his righteousness to be glorified, also allows for that glory to beckon lost people into his kingdom. There is absolutely no justification on our part to, to, to have a right to this. We don't have a right to this, uh, this amazing grace, this righteousness of God. And yet, and yet he, he allows it to be used to beckon lost people into his kingdom. And now what is fascinating is that the beggar and Peter and John have entirely separate purposes. Remember, you know, the beggar is sitting there and he, he's doing this every single day. He's begging for money. He's, he's, he just wants to support uh, his condition. Peter and John on their way to temple uh, to pray. So what, uh, you know, again, we can, we can look at life like this as well in that we all seem to have these separate purposes. But God using them to almost cross them over purposefully uh, that we might want to call luck, um, but certainly when, when things start to come together, uh, I, I, I just can't call it luck, especially when separate, seemingly separate things start to intertwine and, and to start connect together um, and, and start to make sense as we look into them. But for all involved, God had something better in mind. When Peter and John fixed their eyes on the beggar, it's all part of getting... Uh, the attention of this man solely on them. Imagine that every day uh, people pass by 
this man. And while some may give money, they probably would not have spent any time looking at him. In most countries around the world, and certainly in London, in my experience of just of, of, of at times commuting into London, um, you'll find people begging for money at the roadside, or uh, in some countries more often, you'll find that people go up to drivers in their cars, you know, and wash windscreens, try and try and just just get money to survive. And that's what we see around the world. Some people would ignore. Some would engage only to say they have no money on them, and others would give money. But you know, it, it, it's 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 not very often you would see an engagement with with people uh, who are destitute, who are living on the street. Uh, we uh, it's certainly great that churches try hard to serve those who are homeless, uh, and and you know we should all take part in that to help um, people who are on the street who have nothing at all that they can they can. You call home nothing they can support themselves with uh it is great to serve people but we do it with a purpose and i'll come to that to serve jesus and that's why and that's why we do it but some would ignore some would engage uh and some would some would give money um but i think we'll find today that it's, it's not very often that we stop and take time to engage and purposefully uh, get the attention of someone who is who is homeless who is who is on the street but the purpose here is that when Peter and John fix their attention on this man, firstly, they make it this huge unspoken statement uh, as we begin to kind of dissect the, 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 the 10 verses here. They make a huge um, unspoken statement. They say, look at us, look at us. Uh, and the first thing, and there is, a, there is a bigger purpose to this, but the first thing, that is, uns- that is unsaid really is is that the importance of this man the importance of this of of who he is that he is he is a person he when they fix their when when they when they are when they say to him give us your attention they notice that he matters they notice that um that he he has a purpose in this life you're a person and you matter but the main focus is to focus his attention. In the original translation, they uh, tell the man to look you into us. Uh, so it's great just to look at the, the original translation and, and the powerful the power of the language, even in the, the direct translation into English. Look you into us, it says. Uh, and this term, look you, it means to, to see something physical with spiritual results. It's, it's very particular when we look at the language. It's not just pay attention to me. It has more than that. I'm not just having a conversation with you. I'm going to tell you something that is going to change your life. And so it means to to look at, to to listen to what I'm about to say, to perceive what is about to be said to him. It carries what is seen into the non-physical realm so a person can take the needed action. Really important. Uh, we want uh, people to come to Jesus, but people do need to know how to do that. Need, they need to know what action do they need to take in order to accomplish that. And so the lame man is attentive, uh, looking back at Peter, uh, and must be thinking, "What must this be that he wants to that he wants to give me? What is it that I have to really pay attention and focus so much that he uh, that that I, you know that I need to focus on him?" What, what, is, what is this that he's about to do? And this moment, I can think, can teach us 
a lot about the purpose of the church both then and today we can be so often influenced by a sort of worldly philanthropy if i can say it properly and that is to help society by helping others um and, and there's nothing wrong with that but i think we need to be aware that ultimately christians are not here to make this life a bit more bearable we're not here just to uh, offer we're not here to offer social services because to a sense community and social services can offer that equally there's there is nothing wrong with doing that but we should be here to speak the power of god into people's lives whether we do uh, homeless shelters uh, food banks whatever you want to call them um ultimately our, our drive should be that uh, we speak god into people's lives that and that can come in various different forms and that's be about reading the scripture though the power of the word is powerful um but uh, the way we live our lives the way we we speak to people uh, can say a whole lot about god himself a saw a professor and theologian um he says he says this he says it is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable the task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of god in christ so for churches for christians i think above all else we must be able to have the spiritual power and ultimately faith to believe that we can say in the name of jesus of nazareth rise up and walk it says in in some commentaries says there's a description about why um, peter particularly uh, speaks of nazareth uh, because of almost uh, an embarrassment previously of jesus you know remember when he denied him uh, there's almost a sense that maybe saying the word saying that where he was from was just uh, I'm, I'm i'm proud i'm proud of of being a follower of jesus i'm in the right way i'm proud of, of being a, a follower of jesus christ uh, even from a place that many people didn't um didn't respect or didn't didn't like as it were but purpose above all else uh, is to be ready to live out the gospel and to speak from the gospel peter and john could have helped him to bear with his affliction but instead trust in uh, instead trusted the prompting of the holy spirit peter says i have no silver or gold for you but i do have but what i do have is jesus and when peter says this when he says in particular what what i do have what this means in the original translation is to possess is to hold something or is joined to um uh, and this greek word echo uh, we will pronounce it echo so it's, i think it's um ekw or ewk but it's it's echo um and and so there's this when, when he says this word again in english it doesn't it kind of loses a little bit of its of its impact but actually when you look at it it says it, it says he is joint it's something i hold i possess I, i'm going to share this i'm going to give you something that i have but not not just gold and silver not gold and silver because it's something worth more than that even and he says i want to give you that which i have that is the power in the name of jesus to heal you uh, hughes is quoted as saying this he says jesus was from nazareth he was a nazarene and this has been used to insult christ during his life on earth but now peter waved it like a banner which is just absolutely amazing i like that description uh, of, of peter just being full-on sold out for jesus there regardless of what people thought especially where he was where, where jesus was from 
but next what we'll find is God's righteousness. Um, and, and this is a, a, one of those uh, hidden, um, hidden uh, examples of God's righteousness. And I've never, I've read this verse, uh, we've even done, I've done a sermon series on Acts before many, a few years, quite a few years ago. Uh, and <clears throat> I've never really seen this, but it's something that prompted me when I was reading it. And so to understand this, you have to ask why, why is it, I don't know if you've ever asked this question of these particular verses, but why do we have to know that Peter, or we assume Peter at this point, took the man by his right hand? And I don't know if you've ever asked that question when you've read these verses. Um, but in, in verse 7, it says this, Taking him by the right hand, he helped him, him up. I think this, this, is, this is significant. And, and, and I, I didn't think it was significant before. Um, because you just, you're reading something that's happening. You're reading an account and you kind of then just gloss over uh, some of the words. But I thought, why in particular is the, is, does the man have to be taken by the right hand? And in particular, why do we have to know about that? Why do we have to know that he's taken by the right hand? And I think for the reason for this is significant in understanding that moment where the man is not only healed of his physical ailments, but before that puts his faith in Jesus. There are many occasions in the Bible where God speaks of his righteous right hand to save. He speaks of uh, he speaks of uh, being on the right hand, He's the right hand of God, and uh, many verses that speak of that. But there's one particular chapter where I think we can almost see God show literally in the lame man, in the account of the lame man, how he saves. And we see this in Isaiah 41, verse 10, first of all. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Remember, we, uh, and you'll see this word come later on about the strengthening of the, of the bones. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So first, what must come is God's righteousness. It must, God must already be there before any of this healing must happen. It is not, it is not that um, Peter and John themselves have any power in themselves to do it, but that God first uh, must come first in this. He has all the power. He is righteous and he will he will do the upholding and the strengthening. And so first God is doing the act of saving. And yes, of course, we must choose God. But Jesus, uh, we must remember that Jesus chose us first. Always that strange paradox is that Jesus chose us. And yet we still have the uh, the choice to make whether we would choose to trust him and believe in him for our salvation. But then God is also providing the means by which we can trust him. And so we see it again in Isaiah 41, verse 13. It says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. You know, you find these little, these little connections. It's not just because they're using the same word of right hand. It's an actual description of what God's doing, both in Isaiah, but also here in this point, uh, in, this, in the verses we're looking at in Acts 3. It is not Peter, although physically, although what you would see Peter taking home by his right hand, but by the power of God, as he takes his right hand, something is happening as God is doing it through the Holy Spirit. It is only through God that he is, he, he, he is actually being healed. So how amazing is it when you look at Scripture and see why 
<clears throat> and say, why mention such a small specific thing? But huge, hugely impactful uh, when you start to dissect the word and really look at uh, the specifics of why certain things are said. The right hand signifies strength, authority, the hand of blessing. When Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of uh, Manasseh and crossing his hands, uh, the hand of uh, sovereignty. We see Jesus using his right hand throughout um, scripture, like in the right hand of him, it says, who was seated who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. So the right hand or right side is fundamentally important to God. We should not overlook this specific mention of the right hand as anything less than the righteous hand of God, healing both spiritually and physically through Peter. But there is yet more to uncover in the second half of verse 7. It says this, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And, and what you're going to say again, and what you might think is, why is this important? Well, what we're seeing is this description of this man being lifted up. Again, unfortunately, our English language is quite, is not very good at, at producing an in, impactful, what is an impactful statement, impactful account, certainly when it comes to the Bible, because of our translation, we do the best we can. But this is really, it's really important you understand what this, just these few words mean alone. Strength did not come to the lame man until Peter said, rise up and walk, and took him by his right hand. And not until Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. But when he did rise up, or as Peter says, you, you roused, be you walking, it says. Luke, the doctor who's writing this, uh, described in some detail the literal healing of the man's feet and ankles so when we talk about proof yeah there is there is almost a, a a glossing over of what these words actually mean in their original translation but the phrases used in the original translation are more akin with sort of technical medical language uh, as opposed to just common descriptions of everyday person would use uh, morgan uh, says this helpfully uh, about that uh, occurrence. He says, perhaps only medical men can fully appreciate the meaning of these words. They are peculiar, technical words of a medical man. The word translated feet is only used by Luke uh, and occurs nowhere else. It indicates his discrimination between different parts of the human heel. The phrase ankle bones is again a medical phrase to be found nowhere else. The word leaping or leaping up describes the coming suddenly into socket of something that was out of place the articulation of a joint. This then is a very careful medical description of what happened in connection with this man. Isn't that amazing? You know, just, just when we, we, we look at this and we, we take it almost just for the, for the, just the account uh, on the surface, but deep within the language is, is so much more and even when you dig into this, there's, there's almost a, there is a proof going on here. There's a evident evidence being shown. Luke, the doctor, is 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 using words to describe, not just saying this man became strong and he just stood up because he was healed, but actually the 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 healing of the the, the ankle and the ankle bone, and it's it's just amazing to dig into scripture uh, and really see that. So it is really important to read your mind and thinking to read and understand, dissect and discern. 
And there is so much that God is saying that we may well be missing it if we rush through. So we come to our last point, and that regards the timing of this healing. Probably the main one of the uh, probably the main focus of this sermon. This man was known to people to be regularly begging at the gate, and it is likely that Jesus would have passed him by. So why does God do this now through the Holy Spirit and not when Jesus was healing others when he was on earth? God's timing is just as important as his will. God gave Peter this supernatural ability only through the Holy Spirit to trust him for something completely out of the ordinary, but at that specific time and on, and on purpose. We live in a world, I think, that wants to provide the answer for everything, constantly, instantly, even if at the risk of that answer being wrong. And it wants to jump ahead and set its own agenda and own timing for everything. We live in a world that is on demand all the time. Unfortunately, the timing isn't always now. The timing isn't the case that just because we think we deserve it or think we have a right to it that we should have it now. It is hardly ever about waiting. For the Christian, part of our trust in God is about a surrender to God's timing and God's will. What we see with the lame man and his healing is that a number of things had to be in place before God would do what he did. Whilst we might not know all of the eternal implications of that specific account, we do know what needed to happen. Jesus had to ascend to the Father. That, that, will never, that will always be the crucial point. I mean, we keep getting back and back and back, but at this point from Acts, crucial point, crucial thing to happen in order for everything else to fall into place. So Jesus had to ascend to the Father. The disciples needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed to know what that was about. They needed to learn uh, how to engage with the Holy Spirit. Peter and John had to be ready to respond to the Holy Spirit prompting. The lame man had to have been there for as long as it took for people to recognise him. We'll learn, uh, we learned at the end that people in, in wonder and amazement. There was, so there was a bigger purpose behind that man being healed. And so people had to know him. At one crucial point, people had to know this man. They had to have seen him when he was lame and now see him when he was healed. Isn't it great that God in his grace gives us evidence and proof that these that he does this work that he does this amazing work uh, not that um, not not that he has to but he does it in grace anyway all this culminated in what would not only be the release of worship and praise from the once lame man but now those that knew the man could not deny uh, that this was a true healing and restoration of the once lame man and we'll learn more about that as Peter speaks to uh, the people that saw, uh, that saw this happen. But not only that, but this man would be praising God through the name of Jesus and everyone would know about it. Peter would then make sure of that. Much like Peter and John attending the hour of prayer that would have only happened because Jesus gave his life at that time, that is what was meant to be. That was put in place by God. God fashioning his plans, putting people in the right places for his plan to be carried out. Every account in the Bible and encounter had a purpose and time for them to happen. The pur this purpose and time 
would be for God to determine. Because it was God's plan, it would give us access to the righteousness of God through Jesus who clothes us in it. I'm going to leave you with this verse and we're going to go into worship and then we'll have our communion and then one final worship song. And I think this verse does kind of, I think it brings it together for me um, that, that God in his timing, God has everything uh, planned uh, for what he wants to do and what he will do, um, despite sometimes of man. But we have this verse, Ephesians 1, 4, 6, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves. Let us pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you that you are gracious you show us such even in even in the small pieces the small moments lord you show us such amazing power revelation glory of yourself that you are just just weaving into us this and teaching us how to be more like christ every day lord we want to we do indeed want to be like Peter and John responding to the Holy Spirit, responding and trusting that you can heal, that you can bring healing uh, to, to people, to whether that be physical or spiritual, mental uh, as well, Lord. But Lord, we do need to surrender to you. It is not a, it is not a show to put on. It is not something to be used is not something to be used for our gain. And Lord, I pray that we will have a new understanding of, uh, of a reverence of that power, that we hold nothing, that we have nothing unless you give it to us. Lord, that we cannot demand from you things that we just feel like having today. But Lord, our, our, our yearning, our, our want for for what we for what we feel we need is more aligned with with what you have for us. And Lord, that takes listening. That takes perception. That takes discernment to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. And so, Lord, I pray that we will be, uh, even as we may walk down the road, just as Peter and John did to the temple, that. There could be a moment where the Holy Spirit suddenly wants to grab our attention. Do something, say something. But most importantly, just to be Jesus in that moment. How do we do that, Lord? How do we show Jesus in the moment in what appears to be, in our human understanding, um, an irrecoverable situation? And yet, Lord, you can do all things. You can. You healed the man who couldn't walk, who had to be carried to the temple gate. But you healed him. He jumped up and down, it says. He leaped. He followed Peter and John to the temple. Lord, how amazing is that? That you do that. But Lord, we, we have to submit to your timing and your will in those situations. That it may not be always that it is the right time to heal. That it is the right time 
to leap around as it were but actually lord it is to learn that we must come to a reverence and a quietness to understand that the amazing power of healing that it is not a television show but it is to glorify god not to glorify me oh lord how we have messed with that gift of healing the gifts of the holy spirit to benefit ourselves lord i pray that we won't fall into that trap i pray i pray for others that have fallen into the trap of tv show healing of the showing off for man's glory for man's um celebrity oh lord i don't condemn but we should pray for those that have been lost to the deception of the devil that speaks of man's achievements and not god's lord we pray that you will bring your people to yourself and Lord, we thank you that you make us part of that. We thank you that we are part of the family of God, sons and daughters. Oh, wow, Lord, we have been called and are sons and daughters of God. How amazing is that? Welcome, adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we, we go now into a time of prayer, into a time of communion. And we thank you, Lord. We lift this message to you. We ask you that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit during this time. So we thank you, Lord, for all these things. Amen.